What is up, Emmanuel? What's up? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What is up, Banta Campus? What's up? My name's Aaron Beasley. I'm actually the Emanuel Church Banta Campus pastor. So I'm giving Banta a huge shout out. What's up, Banta? What's up? What's up, Franklin? What's up, everybody online? God's got a message for you today. I promise you. So if you're doing some things around the house, you may want to stop. We want to just pause for a moment, okay? And Greenwood, what is going on? All right, what's going on? God has an amazing message for you today. I believe that because we are in this series. If you're new here, we hope that you felt loved, cared for. But if you're new or you just check in with us. We've been in a series called The Nudge, and The Nudge has been about the Holy Spirit. And our God is three in one, and we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit is kind of mysterious. All right, so our God being three in one, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and also God the Spirit, we can kind of comprehend God the Father because we've had father figures in our lives, whether good or bad. We can kind of comprehend God the Son. Maybe you're on the fence with Jesus when it comes to salvation. You're not sure about all that, but, but Jesus was a historian figure. And so we can kind of wrap our minds around Jesus, the son, but then the spirit comes and like the spirit lives inside all of us and he's moving in all of us and he's nudging us towards things. We don't really, that's kind of mysterious. And so in this series, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit will nudge us in ways, bring some clarification to that so that then it's not so mysterious, but yet we know where, where the Holy Spirit is bringing us to so that we can live the abundant life that God has for us, that God wants us to live, to be this fragrance to every place that we go, that people are like, what's different about them? And we can say, it's God in us. It's what he's doing. And so I can't wait to talk to you about week three. In week one, we talked about how the Holy Spirit nudges us towards truth. Week two, we talked about how the Holy Spirit nudges us to invest in others. And so if you didn't check out those or you weren't available because you're on fall break, you definitely want to go back and check out those podcasts. And I get to bring week three. But before I do that, some of you have heard me speak, some of you haven't, some of you know who I am, some of you don't, and I've kind of mentioned how I have a, 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 a exception, I can't say it, I have a fetish for board games, okay, I wanted to say something else, couldn't say it, but I have board games, I love it, I love everything that has to do with board games, all right? Like phase 10. I love phase 10. You know, you got to complete 10 phases before everybody else. And if you start getting close, people start skipping you, which obviously makes me upset. Because in all games, we have personal agendas, and that personal agenda is to win, all right? In Monopoly, maybe you got to get properties and money, and whoever has the most can win. Or my favorite, this is a shameless plug is Settlers of Catan. Some of you may say it in a different way, that's okay. I love this board game. This board game uh, divides families and friends up uh, for moments because you've got to collect resources and then you've got to steal from people and you can block people and you can make trades and really you can just make people upset. And to be honest, I love to make people upset in the game. Um, maybe as a pastor I shouldn't say that, but that's just the truth. I love it, okay? And people love making me upset in it. I mean, we just have personal agendas when it comes to board games, and it can cause division, right? Um, just to prove this point, in high school when we were playing Monopoly, um, I had some, me and my friends were playing, and uh, everybody, somebody's always the banker, and so a friend of mine was collecting my money to change it, and I counted it beforehand, and he didn't give me $500 back. And so I said, you still owe me $500. And he said, no, I don't. And I said, yes, you do. You owe me $500. You will give me the $500 back. And he's like, no, I, I don't. I was like, if you do not give me my $500, I will walk up and I will leave everybody who's playing this game. I will leave. And he's like, I'm not doing that because I didn't do it. And so, you know what I did? 
I got up and I left. All of my friends, I left all of them because there was a division because I wanted to win and he had taken my money. And if we're being honest, we all have personal agendas and it causes division in our lives. Not just with board games. Hopefully with board games we can get over that in a couple hours and all of that. But in life, you are laughing because some of you are like, oh, it's taken me a couple days. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but our personal agendas can cause division. Like just look at our country right now. There's personal, I can't turn the TV on without there being a personal agenda of a commercial about why I need to vote Democrat or Republican. Personal agendas are coming through the TV. It's dividing our country. Or I've been to other countries where if you're not part of this tribe or this tribe or this land is this tribe's and this person's land is this, and it causes division because there's personal agendas. Countries go to war against other countries because of personal agendas. It also could be in your home. There's a parenting style that's different. You both have personal agendas when it comes to, to parenting, and maybe we kind of split in that way. It could be at school. There's a kid who used to be your friend, but now they're starting to get some other hobbies and go a different way, and you're starting to get upset because you're always friends, and now this personal agendas, these different personal agendas are causing division. It could be the way that you spend money. There's personal agendas with money and the way a business deal that went bad. You know, you came together and you both have personal agendas and now there's a split. It's caused division. There's lots of ways that our personal agendas cause division. And Jesus had something to say about this when it comes to this. He says, a kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. See, Jesus understood this. Think about all the church splits that have happened because of personal agendas. We can say it's about Bible verses, but a lot of times it's personal agendas and it causes division. And, and Jesus is trying to tell us it will collapse. Our country will collapse. Our homes will collapse. Our neighborhoods will collapse if we continue to allow personal agendas to divide us. And I think there's a couple reasons why it's easy for our personal agendas to cause division. And the first one is this, is that everyone thinks they're right. Right? Everybody thinks they're right. Like, we all think that we know the best way to do something or the way that things should be done. And so it causes division. This happens in my home. My wife and I, you know, I, I do laundry at our house. And, you know, we do laundry and then... Uh, I do it, and then there's a certain way that I think the clothes should be put up or when they should be put up, right? I think there's a way that is right to do the laundry. Well, my wife thinks there's a different way to do that in our house. And so that can cause some friction, some arguments at times when it comes to the laundry because there's personal agendas because we think that we're right on both. Maybe you understand what I'm talking about in your home. And I love the Bible because the Bible understands this concept. I love the Old Testament because if I was God and I was writing a book about myself and about humanity, I wouldn't put a lot of the bad things in. I would just talk about how awesome I was. And so the Bible puts what humanity is and how there's suffering and how there's pain. And the Old Testament really shows this. And the book of Judges, which is in the Old Testament, I mean, if you don't, haven't read this book, you need to read it because there's so much nastiness and there's 
there's wars and there's people not doing the right thing. And the Bible says that, you know, people would do what they thought was right and then they would cry out to God and then God would bring a judge to rescue them and then they would go right back to the opposite way. But we kind of find out why it was so messy during that time and all that. And it's this, in Judges 21, 25, it says, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. See, we... Many times we can become the people of Israel. We all think that we're right. And so when that happens, everyone can do what they think is right. And then it causes division. This is a great example of this. Is This is a church in North Carolina, Elevation Church. It's a big church. And um, this is satire, by the way. This is from a website called Babylon Beat. So it's not real. It's a fake headline that they made up. You know, It says, Elevation Church debuts water slide baptism. Now you laugh, you laugh, but people were sharing this. And some people were sharing it not as like a joke. They were sharing it as like, can you believe this church put a water slide in for their baptism? That's not how God would do it. And they were spitting their opinions and all this. And then they even came out with another, another article that said that uh, this pastor was traded to a different church. Okay, so people were like, what? He's, getting, he's going somewhere else? What's happening? And, and so he, he had to come out and make a video about how this and him getting traded weren't true. Like, it wasn't going to happen. Because I believe that we live in a world, maybe you agree with me, that we're the most informed, ill-informed society of all time. Like, we all know things that we really don't know. Like, we're going on Twitter being like, if I did this, I would do it like this. And it's like, you don't even know the situation. Or you're reading headlines that if you click the article... It's not even about the headline. They're just trying to get you to click, share things that aren't true. And so because we think we're right, it can cause division in our personal agendas. I think the second reason is, is we're also easily offended. It's so easy to, to be offended in today's world, to be offended yourself. How do I know this? Well, it happened to me at work. Someone was saying some things here that I was getting offended by how they were acting, what they were saying about me, how they're, and so I was getting offended. And then I was holding a grudge. I think this is the biggest reason. When we're easily offended, what do we tend to do? We tend to hold grudges. I was holding a grudge. And then I would go talk to other people instead of the person. And now you're creating division because you want people on your side. And, and all of a sudden, it creates this nastiness. And I really love that when you write talks, the Holy Spirit and God usually works on your heart a lot more than anybody else. I'm like, uh, like, why are you telling me that, God? Just let me be mad. Anybody like that sometimes? Where I, I just want to be mad. Can I not just be mad? The Holy Spirit's like, mm-mm, you need to work on that. So I'm easily offended. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is working in all of our heart, hearts. He's going to nudge us in a direction, and it's this. The Holy Spirit will nudge us towards reconciliation. The Holy Spirit is going to nudge us towards reconciliation. Paul, talking to the Corinthian church, said this. I appeal, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other let there be no divisions in the church what could happen with the church if we stopped letting there be divisions about our personal agendas rather be of one mind united in thought and purpose 
And I think Paul knew that this was just our natural tendency. Our natural tendency is to, is to have personal agendas and to allow those things to move us away from each other. So he has to say it to another church in Ephesus. He says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Whoa, it's like, it's like Paul already knew that we were going to hurt each other and say things that maybe we shouldn't and not get to know each other's stories first and cause some pain. So he's like, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort, every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, like Jesus is coming back. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all, in all, and living through all. Amen. Like that's the God we serve. He's a God of oneness. He's a God that's trying to bring things back together, not cause division. Hello, hello, America. Hello, world. Hello, church. It's got to start here. And so, what is Jesus saying about what is Paul saying about reconciliation? He's saying it's bringing together, it's bringing unity, it's bringing healing. In those verses, that is what he's talking about. That that is what reconciliation is. It's going to bring things together. It's going to bring things united. It's going to bring things healing. It's going to bring healing into your lives. This is so important. Why? Because I believe God wants us to live an abundant life. A life that is based off peace and joy and love, that's moving people towards him. Like, we should live a life where people who don't like us and don't think like us actually start to like us because of how we're moving towards reconciliation. Instead of all the division and all the my personal agenda, and I have to win like the board game. Like, you can't skip me. I'm going to skip you forever. Like, we don't need that. Trust me, that's happened to my, like, you know, that's happened. I have to admit that. Oh, you want to skip me? Well, I'm skipping you the rest of the game. I don't care if you're in last place. Uh, we don't need that. We need more reconciliation. And so how does the Holy Spirit nudge us towards reconciliation? Like, how does he do it? Well, number one, I think that the Holy Spirit will nudge us or nudge you to keep short accounts. This is actually a staff value here at our church to keep short accounts. Someone came up to me in the service yesterday and what he said was reconcile early and reconcile often. Forgive early, forgive quickly. Forgive often. You know, Jesus took this real serious about keeping short accounts. He said this to his disciples and the people he was talking to. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. So like if you're in the place of worship, if you're getting ready to sacrifice, if, if you're getting ready to praise God in this place, and you remember you have something, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Like he's saying people are made in the image of God. Nothing's more valuable than the people next to you the people in your neighborhoods, the people you work with, your family members. So if you come into my house of worship and you have something against those people or they have something against you, you need to go and you need to be reconciled before you worship. 
Like some of us, we like need to get up and we need to leave right now. I'm just kidding. I don't want you to leave right now online. I hope you didn't turn me off. Please, no. That's not, but we need to be reconciled. And so what he's saying is we need to go first if you're the offender. Like you need to go first if you've offended somebody. So I had to do this in my home, like I said. Me and my wife at times, you know, we think that our way is right or that this is right or the laundry's right. And so I came home one day and I said, hey, oh, the laundry. Okay. You know, I let that, you know, I was trying to, you know, be like the Holy Spirit and not let that get into, you know, get upset. And so, you know, things continue to go on and that's fine. And then all of a sudden the nighttime came and it still kind of wasn't done. And so I said, I, I don't understand um, how it can't get put up when you've been home all day. <laughs> and all the ladies are like, oh, you did not say that. <laughs> and I was like, I did. I did say that. And that didn't go well in my house. So then she said something. And then I said something back, and I said, that's it. I'm going to go sleep on the couch. And so I went, and I went to the couch, no joke. And I was like, she'll come to me. She'll come to me, and she'll say she's sorry, and we'll make this better. You know, and I'm sitting there, and so I'm laying on the couch, and half hour goes by, nothing. <laughs> hour goes by, nothing. About hour 15, hour 20 rolls around, and I'm going, hmm. And God's going, hmm. <laughs> maybe you need to go and you need to say you're sorry and I'm like yeah but I don't want to like see now like man and all of a sudden I was like okay and so I went and I said I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that um, I should have been by the way guys if you're dating you're married anything just Holy Spirit is always going to tell you to say sorry okay like and go first just know like you win in that way you're sorry I'm wrong so go first if you're the offender I had to go and I had to apologize to my wife. But I think that this is even harder. Jesus is even saying, go first if you've been offended. And this is hard because you don't know how the other person's going to respond. The other person may not even change. I told you earlier that there was a staff member that I was having, you know, that was offending me. And so I had to go to this person and I had to say uh, what offended me. And I didn't want to. I actually did it this week because I was writing this talk. And the Holy Spirit was like, you need to go talk to that person. I was like, I don't want to. I actually like being mad. <laughs> and he's like, no, you need to go. And, but, but I don't know if they'll change. I don't know if, what if they don't respond in the right way. And, and the Holy Spirit said, it doesn't matter. You need to go. And so I went and I said, hey, this offends me. Hey, when you say this, hey, I, wanna, I want your influence to gain with me and with other people. And, and so I went and I had no idea how this person would respond. And, you know, our pastor, he was giving us this talk as a staff, and he said something that I wrote down because, you know, he loves when we write things down, you know. So I wrote something that he said down, and it said this, whether you are or are not the offender, it's your responsibility to reconcile the situation. Oh, that's so hard. And I know some of you today are like, but you don't know, this person's done this to me and they've never changed and this has happened and this has happened. And, and we were talking as a staff and, and this came to my mind when we were talking about this is it's this right here. It's, it's not about changing the other person as much as it is about changing who I am.
doing the thing God calls me to do. Can I tell you that you may not change the person, but God's always changing you. When I went to the staff member and I said something to him, this weight on my shoulders like lifted. It like was gone. Like when I went and I apologized to my wife, it was like this weight was gone. That's how God works. And I also want to say this, is that sometimes when you go and you try to reconcile and you go first, it may cost you something. It may cost your pride. It may cost money. It may cost a friend that's like, you don't need to apologize for that. You should. They may not be your friend anymore because you're trying to reconcile a situation. Like, it may cost you something. Can I tell you something? When God reconciled with us, it cost him something. It may cost you something. But that's how God moves in our lives. And I think the other way that the Holy Spirit will nudge us to reconcile is this. The Holy Spirit will nudge you to control your tongue. In Proverbs it says this. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Can I, can I say something today that I'm not trying to be crude, not trying to be a jerk in this moment at Banta, Franklin, online, right here in this auditorium? Um, I just want to say this. Keep your mouth shut. I'm speaking to myself. Like, think of all the personal agenda and the divisions that would stop if we just zip the lip. Like, just as my mom would say, Aaron, zip the lip. Don't say it. And that's hard for me. You know, my wife is, again, the Holy Spirit in my life. I get on Twitter, and I like Twitter because, you know, it, like, gives me news, but it also makes me really mad. Like, people will use Bible verses out of context to promote their personal agenda. Um, people, politics get on there, and people start saying stuff, or people start sharing articles that I know aren't real. And so I want to be like, because I'm a wordsmith, and I'll be like, I'll show this person, and then they'll change their mind. No, they won't. And so I'm like writing it, and my wife always knows when I'm on Twitter and I'm upset because, you know, I've got my phone, and I'm like making this face, and she's like, are you on Twitter right now? Are you going to say something you shouldn't? And I'm like, no. (laughs) And she goes, I wouldn't say it. And the Holy Spirit's like, you should listen. And... So then I'm like, you know, I'm like deleting what I'm writing. But actually, sometimes I save them in drafts. Like I write it out and I exit it and I save it in my drafts. And I do that. And listen, you should see my phone. There are years, I mean, there's years of tweets that I haven't tweeted that are in my, in my draft. And I go back and I look and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank the Lord I didn't say that. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was like, oh, I would have lost influence. I would have lost whatever. And sometimes we just need to not say it. Well, you don't know. If I say this and let the world know, can I, can I just tell you something? That God is in control. He doesn't, need, he doesn't need me to defend him. He'll defend himself. Actually, he, he works more in the silent Like, remember Jesus is getting taken to the cross and everyone's yelling accusations. They're spitting. They're throwing stuff at him. And he doesn't say a word because his life did the talking. 
I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to talk to us today. And so I love then in James, it says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. What happens if we just listened to people? Like found out their story, found out why they thought that way and what's going on. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. It's almost like James knew that the more we talk, the more we can get angry. You ever been there? Like you just start talking and then you just start getting mad. Like even in your own, in your own brain, like you start thinking, you start thinking, you're talking to yourself, you're talking to yourself. And the next thing you know, you're like, I'm mad. And I don't know why. I'm just angry. This is why he's being like slow to speak because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Can I, can I say this today? Our human anger isn't producing the righteousness that God desires. It's not, it's not helping the situation out. It's actually causing people to be like, they're just like me. Why, why would I need Jesus? So with reconciliation, we've got to control our tongue. We've got to be slow to speak. But then when we do speak, because reconciliation is going to take words, you're going to have to say you're sorry. You're going to have to come to people and talk about what's going on. And so here's what Peter says about that. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asked about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, which by the way, people will speak against you, even if you do things the right way. But then when you do that, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Man, I want to be known for the life that I live. I want to be known that I try to reconcile even when I made mistakes or someone made a mistake against me. I want to go in a gentle way. I want to say I'm sorry because we don't have much time on this earth and I don't want grudges. I don't want Thanksgiving and Christmas to be miserable because I'm holding on to stuff. Some of us, we're not even looking forward to Thanksgiving or Christmas because of issues we have with family members or things that are going on. And God is saying, no, there's a better way. And the reason why he can say that is because our God is a reconciling God. That's all he does. He's in the business of reconciliation. How do I know that? Because he sent his one and only son to this earth. He went first. He went first. He said, these people, they don't want me, but I want them. And I'm going to show them the way to live their life. That's why in Romans 5.8 it says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God's in the business of reconciliation. And maybe today you haven't put your trust in him. And here's what I'm here to tell you today is God wants you. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for your sins, to take your sins. And then not only did he die, he rose again and he lives. And he did that for you so that you could be in relationship with him. And the Bible says that if you accept him, you can become a child of God. It doesn't have to be your personal agenda anymore. It can be his agenda. Your life can be different. And so I want to give everyone across all of our campuses and online and everywhere that opportunity to receive Jesus as their Savior. And so with every head bow and every eye closed, you could say something like this to God. 
Lord, I've made mistakes. I've messed up. My personal agenda has caused division in my home and in my workplace or or even with you, God. It's with you that I've caused that. And I'm sorry. But God, I'm so grateful that you're in the business of reconciliation. And so you sent your son. Jesus came and he died for me. He took my sin and then he rose again to conquer sin and death. And I'm trusting in that today, in that he rose again and that one day I will be with him forever. Thank you that you wanted a relationship with me. I'm putting my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you said that today for the first time, that's the greatest decision you ever made. Can we give it up for those people? And so I got friends in the back of all of our auditoriums that want to meet you and they want to give you this New Believer's Bible because this is a book that will change your life. The Holy Spirit will continue to move and shape you in a different way. And so we want to get this in your hands. If you're online, you can just click the box and we will make sure to get this to you. We will ship it to you. And so we just want to say, we want to say that God is moving. God's doing things, even when it seems like he's not. And so I want to leave you with a question today that I wanted to leave with everybody. And it's a really hard question, and it's a really hard action step. But it's this. Who is the Holy Spirit nudging you to reconcile with? Is it a mom? Is it a dad? Is it a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a neighbor, a coworker, a boss? Who is the Holy Spirit nudging you to reconcile with? Can you imagine if we were a group of people that were known to offer forgiveness and ask for forgiveness, to move forward, to reconcile what our Christmases, what our Thanksgivings would look like, what our country would look like if we just stopped the bickering? What would it look like if we wanted to reconcile with each other? I believe God would do things that we've never seen possible, that people would say, what's different about them? And we can say, it's our God. That's what it is. So we love you guys. We love that you've been here this weekend. And we've got a special announcement to close out our services from our Emmanuel Church Franklin campus pastor, Brent Fox. He's in Haiti and he's got a message for us. He's gonna close out the service. We love you. We hope to see you next week and bring a friend. Check this out.